Let me read to you the scripture from Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Friends and family of Sean and Jennifer, we are gathered here this morning to grieve the death of a little girl we did not get the chance to know. Her name was Anna, which means gracious and giving, a miraculous gift of God. Her name was Anna Gabrielle, meaning a woman of God. Her name was Anna Gabrielle Major, the daughter of Sean and Jennifer. By the sheer impact of, of Anna's sudden death, we have been jolted and slapped and broken and awakened in some way. And we come alongside you, Sean and Jennifer, today because you are at the center of the heavy loss. They bear the weight like none of us. And so we come together today to sit with them in their sorrow and to cry with them in their grief and to assure them of our love and to encourage their hearts with hope and to remind them of an even greater one who is present, whose love is greater than all loves because it is perfect love. I'm talking about the one who is love himself, our Lord and our God, Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we gather this morning. It is his praise that we will sing in a moment. It is his providence that we continue to trust in. It is his comfort that we will seek. It is his words that we will meditate upon. And it is in his faithfulness that we find our peace. And by his spirit, our faith will be instructed. To him be the glory, both in life and in death. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we come to you this morning we come, O oh God, with our loved ones, Sean and Jennifer, whose dreams and plans have been shattered. We come in confusion, God, but we do come. Hear our cry, O oh God. Listen to our prayer. We call to you as our hearts grow faint. Lead us to the rock that is higher than us. For you have been our refuge in times of trouble. You have been our strong tower against the foe. Our faith takes refuge in the shelter of you, your wings. And we will continue to find shelter there. We come to you, O God, the author of all life, who created Anna's inmost being and knit her together in Jennifer's womb. She was fearfully and wonderfully made. We know that full well. Your eyes, O sovereign Lord, saw Anna's unformed body. 
And all the days ordained for her were written in your book before one of them came to be. And how precious are your thoughts of Anna, Gabrielle, O Lord God. How vast are the sum of your thoughts of her. Were we to be able to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when she awakened, she awakened in glory, Lord. It is our belief that she is still with you. Heavenly Father, we commit this service into your hands. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit to comfort us in our sorrow, to remind us of your truth, and to point us to faith in Jesus Christ, who is himself the resurrection and the life. It is in his powerful name that we pray. In speaking with Sean and Jennifer over the course of this week, even in the deepest, darkest times of grief, they made it very, very clear that it was Jesus Christ in whom they were turning to and looking for strength. And they also made it very clear that when we gather here today, this morning, that they wanted his name to be known and they wanted him to be worshipped. And we are going to spend some time worshipping singing several songs of worship this morning to worship God in our time of grief. Lord God, we stand here in your presence. Brothers and sisters grieving with our sister and our brother. And this is the hardest of times. And all that we can do is appeal to your mercy and appeal to your hope and even in this time together with Jennifer and Sean we recognize that you are sovereign and that you love us and I pray on this day and in these days to come that you would over and over and over again show to Jennifer and to Sean your love and your love through us as we love them very much and yet we know that you are the one that loves them perfectly. God, meet us in our grief and may our hearts find solace in you. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this morning as we open the Word of God, we're going to hear from a few people. And uh, I just want to tell you before we have uh, this, uh, what's going to happen. Uh, where do we turn to at a time like this in the Scriptures? It seems like the first place that is opened are the Psalms. Martin Luther said that in the Psalms, it's the favorite book of all the saints because whatever the circumstances we find ourselves in, there's an adequate description there for us to identify with. And so we're going to look at the Psalms today. One person that I studied talked about two kinds of Psalms, the Psalms of praise and the Psalms of plea or lament. 
In other words, either God feels present or God feels absent. Either it's consolation or it's desolation. Another author speaks of the Psalms, all 150 of them, in three kinds of classifications. And they are described in terms of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. I want to explain those briefly before we open up the scriptures and hear from them. Psalms of orientation are celebrating security and order in the world. It's what we want to understand. They're written in the context of satisfied seasons of well-being when all is well with your soul, with God, with circumstance. And they evoke gratitude and we respond blessing God. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. All is well. Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Psalms of orientation. Then there are psalms of disorientation. These are written by people whose world is falling apart. There are doubts and despairs prevailing. These are written during seasons of hurt and alienation and suffering and death, which evokes rage and resentment and self-pity and hatred. And the psalmists do not cover that up. And any sense of well-being has been overwhelmed and there still yet is a response of prayer even in the darkness. Psalm 5, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, for you are my God. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Psalms of disorientation. And then there are psalms of reorientation. These are thanksgiving hymns. These are poems recalling the doubt coming through the shadow of the valley of death and darkness when focusing on a new depth of hope has actually been found in the struggle. These are written during seasons of surprise that God was still alive and God was still at work. And the writer is often overwhelmed with such fresh blessings that they're even better than the Psalms of, of orientation. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light. And my salvation, whom shall I fear? Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry and he lifted me up out of the slimy put and he put my feet on a solid rock. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Well, I'd like to share a psalm of disorientation this morning. And then Sean's going to come and he's going to share 
some words that will probably turn into his own psalm one day. Just like all the words of Sean and Jennifer in these days, all the cries and all the prayers and all the journaling and all that is going on are really psalms crying out to God, and he hears them. And then our friend Lorne Meisner is going to come, and he's going to share a psalm of reorientation. So first of all, a psalm of disorientation. Clearly, that's what the occasion calls for, is it not? Is there anyone here in the room that did not find themselves crying out with Sean and Jennifer and asking God, why? You see, why is the question you ask when you're disoriented? Why is the question? When you are confused and perplexed about the ways of God, the circumstances he allows, when the reality of our experience and our understanding of God, the way we see God, do not seem to match up, we are jolted, we are disoriented. So let me read a psalm of disorientation. It's from Psalm 77, and uh, it's uh, attributed to two men who were part of the Levitical tribe that were appointed by the King David, uh, Asaph and Jeduthun. We don't know anything, though, about their experience. We don't know what they were describing. And perhaps that's why the Psalms have such a universal appeal, is because that the words they describe, we can insert our own experience. And so, Psalm 77, listen to some of these words. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. There's raw emotion here, deep sorrow, unceasing pain. A Godward prayer, but no response from heaven. Verse 4. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night, and my heart mused, and my spirit inquired. The sleeplessness continues for the psalmist. And in the middle of the night, when there was just too much time to think, the writer begins to ponder former days when they actually had songs in the night instead of sorrow. And then he continues in verse 7. Reflecting on those past leads him to think fearful thoughts about what may happen now in the future. And an onslaught of questions come upon him like a wave to too, too great to, to swim through. Six frightening questions, verses 7 to 9. The first one, will the, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? And has he in his anger withheld his compassion? These are six heavyweight questions. Has God forgotten me? Has all his compassion dried up? Is there really nothing left? Was I wrong about God? Can I trust him even now 
in the middle of what I'm facing. Continuing in verse 10, there's a turning point. In verse 10, he says, then I thought, that's the key turning point, then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years of the right hand of the Most High. And he goes on to say, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works, and I will consider your mighty deeds. Turning point. And then... Verse 12, verse 13, when there is this incredible fog that lifts, his faith comes through the fog, begins to breathe the air of heaven again, the stale air of earth, of sickness, death, loss, whatever it was that this man that wrote this psalm faced begins to dissipate. And for the first time in a long time, there's an actual hopeful thought. He says, your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. And from there, it just slowly begins to lift as he recounts who God is. Sean and Jennifer Mark Buchanan has written a book called Spiritual Rhythm. And he discusses how Jesus is a savior for every season. He, d he talks about the winter seasons that he faced and he says this, it would end this winter of grief. In time it would end, but not by my own doing. My responsibility was to know the season and match my actions and my inactions to it. It was my season to believe in spite of, to believe in the absence of, when there was nothing, no bud, no color, no light, no bird song, no validation of belief. It was my time to walk without sight. So, Sean and Jennifer, as you go through this season of the winter of grief, the assumption about the winter seasons of our souls is that God is not there. Life is not there. Growth is not there. You might feel that God has abandoned you, and yet God is very present, as you know. There is an unseen work going on in the winter season. Jesus is a Savior for all seasons, especially the winter he was a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. He lived and he died. And he did so to put an end to the curse which causes all disease and all illness and all things that are wrong, including babies dying. Jesus stepped out of his painless, glorious heaven, stepped into our painful, inglorious, disoriented lives with all their messiness, he stepped into the brokenness that we face, and he said he's going to set all things right one day. That's what he said. He is the great healer, and that is our hope. So, Sean and Jennifer, do not be ignorant about little Anna who has fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus... Anna, who has fallen asleep in him. Sean, would you come forward? And would you share with us some of the thoughts that God has put on your heart? And Lauren, would you come now too?
I thought of this morning, I actually wanted to start by just looking out to the crowd. I, uh, I shared with Jennifer that I thought we were going to be surrounded by a lot of love, and, uh, and we are. So I wondered what to say this morning, and there's a few things that I just wanted to leave in people's hearts. Uh, the Lord has blessed me with an unbelievable best friend in, G in Jennifer. Uh, she is my soulmate. She is just an angel to me. I love her. I love her. I want to, I want to praise Jesus' name, and I want you to, I just want to share a little bit about the man I love. And, uh, and we want to celebrate our little, our little precious Anna Gabrielle. <laughs> there are uh, people who wanted to be here and couldn't. And I know the church has honored us in the sense of uh, being able to put this on their website so that people can hear it. So I wanted to just take a quick minute to say a word of thanks uh, there has been some family members who, while we were in the hospital, were sitting there holding Jennifer's hand through the whole time, feeding her ice cubes, stroking her hair, giving her well wishes. The hospital staff at HSC, and I'm just going to fly through these names, but our, our personal doctor, Annette Maximovich, uh, Aaron, Lisa, Carrie, Tabby, Chelsea, Kyla, Kayla, Ange, Maribel, and Lee. Uh, they, they heard our cries, and for three days, they did nothing but wrap their arms around us on their days off coming in to talk to us. Um, some of you know that this was Jennifer's home church. Never was as is statement Gen this is the, the church that Jennifer pretty much grew up in. We were married in this church, and we've had the blessing of just starting to join the Elmwood Church family, Elmwood MB Church on Henderson. And for me, there's no two churches. This is a beautiful picture of the body of Christ coming together. So I want to thank both, both congregations that have helped and are here and uh, have done so much in regards to just caring and loving for us. The worship team, uh, the people who have helped outside, I just want to give an absolute word of thanks. So this is a celebration for us, and I hope you reach that conclusion when, when I'm finished here. Some of you don't know our journey, and, uh, and I will say personally, Years ago, when I hit a crossroad in life, uh, actually, someone told me to go to this man's church, Lorne Meisner. Uh, I would show up at his church about once every five weeks in a leather jacket and cowboy boots and then disappear. <laughs> and you were a regular attender. <laughs> Lorne has seen me through the best of times, the worst of times, and uh, uh, we've known each other for 20 years. 
He has gone from a, from a pastor to a teacher to a friend to my spiritual dad. Um, at that crossroad of life, I was introduced to a concept, and I'll put it as that. It was a belief system that was out there, and it was Jesus Christ. And a verse that stuck to my, my soul was Jesus saying, you seek me with all your heart, and you will find me. I don't want to say I put him to the test, but I started to follow him. And, uh, and I started to be able to hear the whisper of God in my heart and soul. His word came to life. I felt what it was like to be a part of uh, the body of Christ. Now, I'm not going to take up the whole service this morning. But I love Jesus. Uh, if there's something that breaks my heart the, at this time, it's, uh, I think he's one of the most misunderstood people of our times. Uh, he's, he's loving. He's loving, and I love him. So 14 years ago, 14 years ago, approximately, no, about 12 years ago, uh, we started to try to have kids. We've tried a lot. Uh, we've prayed a million tears and worn out carpets on our knees. And nine months ago, we got news. <laughs> we got news. We heard a prayer was answered. And things that we never thought we'd ever experience was happening. Oh, we praised God. We have celebrated with so many people. Thursday, last week, was one of our last, our last follow-ups. Little baby was, little Anna was due to be born uh, July 10th. We couldn't wait. We would talk at night about what we were going to experience. Thursday, our appointment went fantastic. We shared the Sunday with the congregation at Elmwood. <coughs> Something happened. Something happened. Monday morning, Jennifer called and just, <coughs> I don't feel little Anna moving. So we went in and we got checked and they gave us the news. I don't know if you've ever experienced what it's like to, in your footsteps, have the breath sucked out of your lungs to the point you're numb. You're standing there, you want to throw up. I could have hated God right there. I could have blamed him for everything. And the God I know whispered in my ear, he says, Sean, I'm here. Sean, I'm here. We ask why, and you know what? It's not wrong for people to ask why. If I want to ask, if I have a question for a teacher and I want an answer, I ask why. Our why questions, if they're directed to God himself, he meets you there. So I ask why. Do I blame him? No. So yesterday, yesterday, 
I went to get a new pair of shoes for today. <laughs> and I'm walking around Polo Park in a stupor. I, I'm not making eye contact with anybody. I'm walking. I walk past this guy on a bench who, he was obviously homeless, and he's just staring. I walked past him as I'm going around the mall about three times. And as I'm walking away, as I'm walking down the hall, God just says to me, Sean, I have surrounded you with love this week. Can you not do that for this man that's sitting here? So I went and got him a little lunch, and I sat down beside him, and I thought, what it was, here's someone you can tell is having a rough go. And uh, he doesn't even know who I am, but I sit beside him, and I, I say, hi, I'm having a rough day. And he looks at me, and then he looks away. And I tell him, we had a baby, Xander, and she's gone to heaven. <laughs> and this guy turns and looks at me, and he says, my daughter died four months ago. <laughs> Her name's Amanda. I prayed for him. I never do that kind of stuff. <laughs> Even when I left, he looked at me like, who was that guy? <laughs> but you know the image that came to mind? The tears we've been shedding. I've often thought about Jesus on the cross, and sometimes it can be like a theological picture. But then I started to think of what I'm feeling. And I thought of Jesus' mother looking at him. And I'm like, oh, she's been crying tears that I've tried this week, that I've cried. How she's feeling is not looking upon a biblical character. That woman would have been dying inside. The breath of her would have been sucked out of her lungs. And I started to think... As horrific as Jesus dying on the cross and his mom watching, she had no idea what Christ was going to do after. One of the things we wished was that our little Anna, our little Anna would change this world. She went home way too early on our account but she's dancing right now. She's with the one that whispers in my ear. She's with the one when I'm crying, he says, hey, I'm with you. She's with the one that says, I gave my life for you, Sean, and I love you. And I started to realize while her life was short with us, she's been making a difference already. Relationships are being are being built. The care of people has been unbelievable. People are asking questions about God and life. 
I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to close with what I was going to share. But Anna, Anna has made a, Anna has not just left a footprint. She has sparked a fire that's going to burn. And, uh, and seeds are going to be planted because of our little girl. I, uh, I thank each and every one of you. A lot of you, if you turn around, you don't know who you are. But when you walked in, I can tell you, we have college friends. We have high school friends that we've known for 20 plus years, 30 years. <laughs> Where'd my hair go? <laughs> Uh, we have members from this church, members from Elmwood. We have stars from where I was working before. We have Jennifer's co-workers here, choir members, friends that we love, family we love. Neighbors who have dropped off meals and cut our grass. Pastors, I just want to thank you all. Uh, if, uh, if there's something I can leave with you, give Jesus a chance. I'll just leave that. Just give him a chance. He'll, he'll show up. He'll tell you. Uh, thank God for little Anna. Don't forget her. Talk about her. We're her mom and dad. She's our little girl and she always will be. I'm, lo I'm losing it, so I'm just going to, uh, I want to thank, I want to thank the church that I'm serve that we're serving at now, because they've reached out, they've been, they've been coordinating some ways to help us at, uh, at, at home and with, and with White Ridge, and I have just been offline, I'm getting emails and texts, and I just can't talk right, so I have not been answering people. I am coming back if you're wondering about that. <laughs> so if, uh, if you don't mind, I'd just like to pray and then I'm going to let uh, Lorne. This, this other gentleman on my side, his name's Terry. He's the pastor here. He's one of a few pastors here. When we went to a trip, a uh, mission trip to Bolivia last week, uh, Last week, I told you I'm a little off. <laughs> uh, this, was, this was the fellow that was part of the journey. When we, when we first got married, one of the, before we were, when we were dating, Jennifer asked a question. She goes, would you ever go into missions? And I said, I'll follow God. And it was in Bolivia on a mission trip. We celebrated our anniversary. And it was on that trip we got to see what God, the same God, is worshipped around the world with, uh, with this brother. And he's, him and his wife have truly become special to us. I'm just going to blanket prayer. We love you. You come from different places, but thank you. We don't take our friendships lightly. We may not be in touch with you all the time, but we don't forget. So if I can pray, please join me. 
God, we prayed for a little one and you delivered. We had prayed that she would make a difference for you and she is. As it has been said over and over again, she's known nothing but love. And now she's in the arms of the one who created love. Father, we thank you so the so many, the smallest blessings through this time. And we do not blame you. We raise your name. Amen. And it is well with our soul. Father, we do pray that as we start a season of healing, that you may let the tangible touch and love and words of encouragement from your voice come through the people you have created. And I pray, Father, that especially for Jennifer, that many of the ones with hearts filled with love in this room will call upon her, meet her for coffee, walk with her, love her, laugh with her. God, we thank you for this day that we can celebrate Anna Gabrielle. We are never going to forget her, mm. Lord. When we come home, please send someone to reconnect us. We pray she may introduce us to all her friends and we can share stories together and talk about you. Praise you. Thank you for today and thank you for all these family and friends, brothers and sisters. And most of all, your son, Jesus. Amen. There are those who say religion is a crutch to help the weak. You haven't heard. Sean, if you believe that. Faith in a living God who creates life and sovereignly chooses to take it away is an anchor. It's an anchor that is tied to the cornerstone. If all we have in life is fact and feelings, and Sean and Jennifer, you have experienced some of the harshest, most desolate facts and feelings we as humans will ever experience. If that's all there is to life, then we have every reason to despair and to even give up. But there's a third factor, and that is faith. Faith triumphs over fact and feeling, and it roots us and as Terry said, I want to turn us to a psalm of reorientation. It wasn't coincidence that earlier this week I was, my wife and I were reading through Mark Batterson's book, The Circle Maker, and he says that scripture was meant to be prayed through. Psalm 116, with very few comments, is a psalm that reorients us and Sean and Jennifer, maybe you can pray some of this, 
but this is our prayer for you that you will get to this place and we have every confidence from what we've seen that you were well on your way to getting there. But listen to these words. We are not told who the author is. Ms. Terry said earlier that allows us to share in the anonymity of it. This becomes our prayer for Sean and Jennifer, trusting it will become their prayer. I love the Lord. We heard that loud and clear. Because he has heard my voice, my pleas for mercy. Those weren't always expressed in words this week, were they? Sometimes it was just sobs and our hearts aching. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol, the world of the dead laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. And then I called on the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, I pray. Deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, and our God is merciful. When Sean sent me the text Monday morning, three simple words, we lost her. The Spirit of God said to me, and I shared this with Sean, God is no less God on July 10th than he was on the day you received the news you were expecting a child. God is no less God today, July 15th, than he has ever been. See, that's the tenacity of faith that does not deny the facts. It doesn't brush over the feelings, but it dares to stand on a rock-solid truth that there is a God who doesn't change, who hasn't lost sight of what's going on in the world. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O oh my soul, to your trust, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. That trust will come, Sean and Jen. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, maybe not yet, but that day will come. My feet from stumbling, and I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. And I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. Naysayers who say, why would you keep trusting? Why would you keep believing there is a good God? But in my alarm, I said, they're lying. I will believe what God has said, that he is who he said he is. So what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord, and I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Anna was one of his little ones. 
honestly, I, I, I don't get that. How can, how can that be precious in his sight? But take consolation in that, Jen and Sean. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of Anna Gabriel. Oh, Lord, I'm your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Faith in the face of death becomes defiant. It says, I will not succumb to the facts and the feelings. I will stake my life, literally, on what God has said. John and Jen, we trust in the days and weeks ahead, you will be able to pray that psalm of reorientation piece by piece. And you will able to know that he is rock solid. And I know you know that, but your hearts are still breaking. Before we sing one final expression, we have chosen to play a video that expresses that defiant faith. What you need to know about the writer of this song is he journeyed through deep valleys of having a son with a chronic illness that he lives with on a day-by-day -day basis. Listen to this expression of defiant faith. And by the way, if you want to know more about that defiant faith and how it can serve you in your trials and struggles in life, Sean's always just a phone call and a coffee away, and so is Jen, and they will gladly tell you how that faith can serve you. Listen to this expression, please. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing back. I've stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down. But what will I sing when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? Say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing a little faith is all I have right now. But God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, 
pardon me Cause I know you're able I know If you're able to, please, please stand. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when so.
standing in uh, just a moment we're going to leave uh, the sanctuary and uh, there's a luncheon prepared I'll be praying for that in a moment and Sean and Jennifer are going to be sitting out in the foyer on some chairs and if you want to just take some time to visit with them briefly just respect that there's others that probably want to see them and uh, we encourage you to stay as long as you can and before we leave we're going to have one more psalm that I'm inviting you to bless Sean and Jennifer with and if you can enter into the words of this psalm from Psalm 20, I'm going to ask you to uh, read it with us and bless Sean and Jennifer in this moment. So let's begin. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. We will shout for joy when you are victorious, and we will lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we will rise up and stand firm. O Lord, save the king. Answer us when we call. Let us pray. Father God, now we thank you we thank you for these times together in this place. We ask as we are dismissed that you might go with us. Lord, that you might surround and fill Sean and Jennifer with such peace and grace and love that is indescribable. Would you bless the refreshments we're about to receive? Would you bless the time that we share one with the other? May you encourage our faith to draw near to you. In Jesus' name we pray.